Trading Nut, episode 39. You can get risk rewards of sometimes one to five, one to six, but I always go a minimum of one to three. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax, learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial trading or investing advice of any kind. What's up traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Nut Podcast. I'm your host Cam Hawkins and today we've got another past guest. We're actually going through quite a few of the past guests of the show, um, not just because we're running out of guests, but just because I got some good updates to share with us. Now, today we have Nick Sean from episode, what episode was it? It was way back near the beginning, near the very beginning. And in actual fact, he was recommended to me by a another listener of the show so it was episode four of the trading up podcast so we've got him back on here episode 39 and uh, we've got him back on for good reason so he's changed a lot of the things that he was doing I mean this guy was sort of evolving over time changed a lot of the things that he was doing in the past and uh, reveals an awful lot on this show an awful awful lot you guys are in for an absolute treat so we've got that coming up in a second uh so stay tuned for that and there's also a video that we shot as well where nick walks us through some of the things that he's done uh sorry exactly how he sort of sees the market and sees price and sees how it's reacting to things and where he enters trades and in particular his risk management approach which i think is fantastic so guys take a listen to this suck it all up soak it all up and uh and put it into your trading wherever you see fit and i say that wherever you see fit because i mean last week's theme was was positivity and uh and i've got to say thanks to uh to who was it it was mike Mahoney for sending me through a book recommendation called The Stream, Eternal Wisdom for a Better Life. So he felt that this was quite uh, apt for the, the the conversation I was having last week around being positive. So hopefully you guys were much more positive last week. Now, um, as I said before, so we're thinking about possibly adding in certain parts of what Nick's about to share with us into your trading. And you've got to, you know, sort of cherry pick what's right for you. And I say that because I mean I've been, I've been uh, what's the word, guilty of uh, of of doing this myself, which is adding everything in from what everyone here on the show says. And what does that end up with? It ends up with you doing way too much and not having enough time to do anything uh, properly, anything give anything enough due diligence. It's that old saying of um, uh, a master of nothing and a jack of all trades. That's what you become, and I actually, this past week, realized that that's what I'd fallen back into. I was, I had too many things on the go, way too many things. As you could imagine, I've got a lot of things on the go with this podcast, but there was also a lot of things going on with my trading, and I just said one day, I, I don't know what the, what the key was for me, but one day this week... I, just, I think I was just overwhelmed. I just felt completely overwhelmed. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. And then more things kept stacking on top of that. And I was like, okay, right, what I'm going to do, i tell you what, I've got to make a decision on one thing. 
one thing and just focus in on that. So all these things were complementary, but even so, I still had to focus in on one thing. So guys, my question to you for this week is, what one thing are you focusing on? What one thing have you dialed in? Are you jumping from thing to thing? Are you jumping from system to system? Are you, have you got three different systems that you're, you're trying to, to, to manage here? Have you got three different chat rooms you're, you're in, or four or five, and you're looking at all these different approaches? What is your approach? It's, it's, it comes down to being quite selfish, I think, in this respect. You've got to go, what's right for me? I can't do everything. I've got to pick one. What is the one thing to focus in on and, and bed down on? So, guys, theme for the week is focus. So whilst you're in that mindset of being focused, why don't you focus in on what Nick's got to say for us? And as I said, cherry pick the good things that come out of this interview, That the things that you really feel that are going to make a difference in your trading. Now, uh, if you're not subscribed to my email, please do jump on there, subscribe to the email because I've got some fantastic things coming up. And in particular, with Nick, I've managed to uh, get access to some extra content that's not here on the podcast. And you can get your hands on that if you check out my robot builders club so this is where i teach you how to build these trading robots so if you check that out there'll be links in the show notes links on the site check that out and you're going to get access to some extra extra stuff from nick today as well all right guys so without further ado let's get on with the show and uh welcome nick all right folks so we've got nick sean back on the show episode four which was almost eight months ago to the day uh, we've got you back on, Nick. So, um, how are things over there in Texas? Isn't it Austin, Texas? Yeah, so very close to Austin. I actually live here, and it's close to Dallas. I live in a city called Fort Worth. We just call it oh, DFW, Dallas Fort Worth. It's beautiful. It's been uh, getting into the summertime or late spring, so it's been beautiful, man. And I I saw today that it's more Memorial Weekend over there for you guys. Is that right? Yeah, it's exciting for everybody else. Unless you're a trader, then it's like boring because Monday comes around and there's no volatility. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anything planned for the weekend? Nothing much, man. Probably just going to hang out with my girlfriend and just relax with family. Cool, cool. Brilliant. Well, look, um, the reason that we got you back on the show was because, in actual fact, one of one of my listeners and one of, uh, I don't know if he was a student of yours or, or what, but reached out to me and said, hey, you've got to get this guy on the show, uh, Nick Sean. And I'm like, hang on a sec, I swear I've interviewed <laughs> this guy. So I went back to him and go, hey, look, here you go. He goes, I want to hear the interview. I said, here you go. I've already done it, mate. And uh, and he flicked me back a reply and uh, and said, well, look, I think you've got to get him back on because I think things have changed. So here we are. I've got you back on the show. And sure enough, things have changed. And I'm looking at the title <laughs> of the last show. So it was episode four back in September of 2018. And it's like how Nick Sean uh, used Forex Divergence Strategy to quit his day job. Now, we've got you back on and we've had a sort of quick chat pre-interview and really what? What I've discovered is that you've essentially simplified everything down. And so today we're going to give the guys a view of what that looks like and how things have progressed in the last eight months, which is actually quite a long time in, in uh, the whole scheme of things when it comes to, to trading. I know a lot of people can be sort of boom and bust within that time and, and other people can, can fundamentally change things around. So, Nick... Um, do you want to give the guys, I suppose, a quick, instead of them going back to episode four, which would have been like maybe 34 episodes ago, 
give them a quick summary of your sort of story to date so that they can catch up to, to where we are today. And if you do, you guys do want to go back and listen to his episode, then please do, because it was a good episode, uh, and uh, and you'll learn a bit more about Nick, I'm sure. So, yeah, maybe a quick sort of potted history, and, and then we'll get into, um, the, I suppose, episode four, and then from there we'll move forward to, to the current day. Okay, yeah. So just a very quick, brief, simple history about me. So I got into forex trading around 2016. I was in college. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I'd kind of decided I didn't want to work for anybody else. And so I was looking in for ways to make money. Forex is one of the things that came across. So I started studying. I bought a few courses here and there. And I studied all the way from 2016 to like mid-2017. It took me until it became profitable. It was about a year and a half and uh, during that time, the thing that resonated most with me was trading RSI diversions. So you, know, you guys can either listen to my last podcast or you can just look this up on YouTube for free. But RSI divergence worked great for me just because it was so simple. And that's how it started. And then as things progressed, I felt like adding a little bit more to make things more confluent. So I used to use Elliott Waves. I used to use significant levels. I used to use price action divergence. And I kind of had a nice little system going. And it worked very well for me for a very long time. But the thing is, is I realized one day between the last podcast and now that things are so much easier and less time consuming and simpler when you just tone down everything and just look at one specific thing and keep things as simple as possible. So since then, I still use divergence, but I use it in a different way. And we can get into that later in this podcast. And then I also use price action at significant levels. And those two go hand in hand. So essentially, since last podcast to now, I've simplified everything down. And it's just been working like a dream. Analysis takes about maybe 15 to maybe 30 minutes tops per day. I can sit down on my computer or whatever one time at any time during the day. And I can trade. So that's it. That's a quick summary. Okay, cool. So, so what? Do you, so, how did it? How did it all start? So, in terms of, you know, you you you're doing well with this RSI divergence strategy. What made you investigate into? I suppose, yeah. What what made you sort of investigate, or, or were you just constantly investigating things? I, you know, I don't know how deep it was, or how intensely I was investigating or paying attention to it. But, you know, I used to use, uh, I used to drop a couple levels on my chart. You know, I'd draw Elliott waves in and all this stuff. But there's so much stuff that's discretionary in trading. And I've found that for me, what is the clearest and most obvious in the chart works best. And so I stopped trading divergence at just any level. And I started looking at the daily time frame. And I just mark up those levels, like very obvious, clear levels where price has gone to it multiple times in the past and just stopped and pulled away. And I'll drag my support resistance levels to the very tips of where the wicks were hitting um, on support resistance levels. So I started doing that and I said, okay, you know what, I'm going to look for Elliott waves and divergence to right here. And then I started trading that for a while. And then after like, it took me like a week or two before I realized, you know, you don't even really need the Elliott waves. It's a good extra confluence thing, but it can be kind of confusing uh, to do and also a little bit confusing to teach because as you guys know I got a few students that I teach to and so it could kind of get confusing teaching another person that and so I ended up just scratching the whole Elliott waves and just saying okay well divergence at significant levels and then it got to the point where I, I was at okay I don't even need divergence all I need to do is watch price when it gets to one of these significant levels look for the appropriate price action and after that you can enter trades and whenever you're trading this on the daily cam, oh my, my gosh, it's just so simple. I mean, you can open up a chart, plot your daily levels anywhere that's the most clear. For me, usually it's like two, three, maybe even four 
um, significant levels on a daily chart and I'll just sit patiently and I'll just wait you got like a whole bunch of currency pairs you can mark up and I'll just wait for price to get to one of those very clear levels I'll wait to see a few pin bars at that level and then I'll as crazy as it sounds enter the trade buy or sell has to have at least a one to three risk reward ratio for me and I'll take those trades and it's worked very 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 well and it's very simple so I trade that However, I still love divergence, still have a passion for divergence. So what I do is I only trade divergence on the higher time frames now. I'll start on the daily. I'll make sure RSI is overextended or underextended to either the 25 or 75 level. And then I'll just go to the H4 chart or the H1, and I'll just look for divergence. It has to be a clear, very obvious divergence, and I just make sure it's at a significant level. So I trade two separate accounts. The first one, the price action account I just explained to you, it's just waiting for price to literally come to a level, start rejecting it, and I just enter the trade. It takes probably 10 seconds to analyze a pair that way. And then uh, the second system I trade, I trade it on a separate account, and I trade it with a low starting balance, and I just trade divergence. And so what it is is, I'll enter a trade after I see a divergent move at a significant level, and if it gives a little bit of drawdown, I'll re-enter the trade to get better entries. The thing with this system is you do not use stop losses. You can't use stop losses with it. And so some people may ask, well, hey, how do you control risk with a system like that? Because if you don't trade with a stop loss, you're eventually going to blow the account. It's 100% true. So let me give you an example of how I do things. What I do is I take, let's say, 100% of my funds, and I'll take 90% of my funds, and I'll put it into a trading account, and I'll just trade price action on that account. It's easy, it works, it's simple, and I do around maybe 10, 15, 20% growth per month on a profitable month, and I rarely have any down months during the year, maybe like one or two tops in the past year. Um, so that being said, that's what I do with 90% of the funds. The other 10% of the funds, I'll put it into an account, I'll kiss it goodbye, and I'll trade aggressively with just divergence. And that means like scaling into trades. And as the market keeps on making like more divergent moves, if it doesn't go into profit right after the first move, eventually it'll turn around, go into huge profit, all your entries will go back into profit, and you can close the trade right past the first entry if you got drawdown. Very profitable, and it works out 99% of the time, but you have to make sure you keep drawing withdrawing that balance back to your big account so that you can trade those 90% of your funds with controlled risk, clear stop losses, clear 1% to 3% risk per trade with good risk to reward. But in the meantime, you're making bank every day. I have students like Surin who's grown an account. He trades, he's made way more money than me trading. Of course, he takes so much more risk. But he's grown an account to $300,000. He just bought a McLaren last month. You can like look this guy up on my profile, on my Instagram or Facebook or whatever. He bought a McLaren 570S. All he does is that. He just trades divergence at significant levels. Uh, same thing with Momo. Momo, one of my top students who started just about a year ago, he routinely takes accounts from $1,000 to $10,000, withdraws, starts again, puts the funds into different accounts. His most recent one, you can actually check out his Instagram as well. Once you find me, you'll see he's one of my following or whatever. But it's uh, Momo. He's my student. He's, and what he did is he took... The account in February, he started with $1,000, took it to 14K, and he just literally did that. Like It ended about a month ago is when he finished that little challenge he had with himself. He tracked the whole account from the moment he started it. It was insane. And so we've got people getting crazy results like that. But the thing is, you have to use a low starting balance, very small percentage of your investment funds. And as you're doubling, tripling, tripling and quadrupling the account, you just withdraw that back to your main big account. And then whenever the day comes where you're finally wrong about a divergence trade and it just keeps going and it doesn't come back, then you end up blowing the account. But it's okay if you've made, managed to 5x or 10x the funds. Very, very, very profitable. Well, there's, guys, you're probably going to need to rewind this and listen to that seven or eight times 
to pick out all the nuggets in there. Um, I got most of it. You skip through quite a bit of stuff really quickly, which I want to dive back into and, and really sort of pick it apart so the guys can can get a good feel for it. So, um, first of all, okay, so the main the, the one thing that sort of stood out to me, and it, I've actually thought about this in the past, is the no stop loss, blow the account, but before you blow the account, make significant returns. At which point, blowing the account doesn't really matter, and withdrawing those returns. So. It sounds like you're doing that sort of strategy with part of with the ten percent of the one hundred percent. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, I, I me, I'm a little bit more aggressive. I use twenty percent of my total investment funds. They say, so yeah. And so the so the total so the ninety percent that you're talking about, or the eighty percent that that you trade. So I missed that bit. You trade that with divergence, and you do use a stop loss with that. Is that right? Uh, that's correct. Divergence will sometimes go into a trading decision on the major majority of my funds. But man, it's just so simple to just wait until price comes to a significant level, shows a few pin bars. It's probably a good chance it'll reverse at that level. And so I'll just simply enter those trades with those, man. You can just literally enter at the level, stop just beyond that level. You can get risk rewards of sometimes one to five, one to six, but I always go a minimum of one to three. And then even if you get stopped out, maybe you lose a few small trades or it wicks you out and then comes right back in, you can always just re-enter. That's very easy. But the thing is with that, uh, tr- trading controlled stops with one to three percent risk. That means if you have a one to three risk reward, you're only going to be gaining around three percent to nine percent per trade. And of course, you're going to have losers as well. I maybe win fifty to seventy five percent of those trades on that account, but it's a very solid, reasonable return. About like I said, ten, fifteen, twenty percent per month if you're risking one to three percent of your account per trade with that risk reward ratio. But that it's a very good way to just grow funds whenever you have a lot and you're never going to blow the account that way. So it's a very safe way to do that. But in the meantime, I, I like high-risk systems. I think they're a lot of fun. They're very interesting, and they also they can make tons of money. And just like you said, trading it until somebody blows the account, as long as you're doing that with controlled risk, meaning you're putting a very small percentage of your money into that starting off, you're going to be profitable in the long run between both of the accounts. It's just it's magnificent. Okay, so let's let's take. I'm trying to work out a, bit, a way to, to to get this sort of embedded in everyone's mind, so that it's it's simple to understand. And yeah, I suppose people have got a real life example. So let's take uh, Momo or or Surin uh, as an example, right? And let's go back to say they were starting off with this, um, and let's just say they had thousand dollars which i think you said one of them did so let's say they had a thousand bucks now what would be the first thing you'd, you'd recommend they do if they only had a thousand dollars to trade and they're living in the united states i'd probably say save up a little bit more money because you can't really expect to make any magnificent returns off of one thousand dollars if you're going to be trading it and that's your total funds because just to answer your question simply 90 percent would go into a price action account with controlled risk that would be nine hundred dollars and the other one hundred dollars would go into a divergence account but even if you traded that divergence account, double, triple, quadrupled it, even 10x'd it, and it took you a month or two or three months, you're only going to be making a couple hundred dollars. And so for me, I'd say you want a little bit more starting, but if you're willing to take the risk, then you put $1,000 into an account and that use all of that money to just trade the divergence system, very high risk, and you got to be comfortable with kissing that money goodbye. But the, the return potential is insane, and it works out 99% of the time. I mean, it works out almost every time. But like I said, there's going to be that one time where it just doesn't, and that will cost you the whole account. But in the meantime, you're pulling out withdrawals every week or two. It's just it's really awesome. So that's what I'd suggest. 
Okay, so so all right, so so the first thing is you you probably need more than well, I mean, I suppose it doesn't matter. I think you, what we're saying here is, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you you probably need. You need to stay. You need to have some money that you can just kiss goodbye, right? You need to have some money that you can decide that you know whatever that money is, and it doesn't matter what your total starting capital is. If you're willing to kiss goodbye to fifty percent of that, or ninety percent of that, or five percent of that, whatever it is, that's the money that you're going to say goodbye to. And I suppose you could even start off slow and not make a lot, but at least get confident in in this approach which I think is another thing that people could do. So you could, you know, if you did have a 1,000, say, well, I've got a 1,000, but I'm going to say a hundreds kiss goodbye money. Yep, I want to do it for the first month just to see what happens. And once I feel confident, then maybe I can increase that or what have you. So assuming that, so they've got this kiss goodbye money, whatever that is, um, you would then sort of teach them how to, how to, how to basically pick these entries and these are the entries are they the ones on the daily chart the entries on the daily chart yeah um all of my trades whether it's price action or divergence trading yeah it's all based on daily and h4 okay so you're going to teach them how to how to pick these entries and so what would be a typical first week for one of these one of these guys um on just a divergence account yeah just on that that high risk account Oh man, you can easily double an account if not more. And so, so how would that so play out in terms of a a trade by trade? So in a week, how many pairs would they be analysing? Uh, how many trades would they potentially have? And how would those how would you see those trades play out? So that all depends. It depends on market conditions. It depends on what pair the broker offers, but. Essentially, what I do right now is I teach when people start to just trade the five most commonly traded pairs, and I go through all that in my program and stuff. But on top of that, after you get a hang of it and after you get kind of familiar with the market, you can trade all pairs. All pairs are game. And when you're looking at divergence, all you do is you just open up the H4 chart and look to see divergence on the H4. RSI divergence is a very simple concept. It's a little bit discretionary, but like I said, you can just look this up on YouTube for free. Look to see RSI divergence on the hour four chart. And then go to the daily and make sure that whenever price is making that divergence, as soon as that divergence occurs, enter it at the significant level, at a very obvious, clear support or resistance level. Those work out so well. They're money trades. So that that can present maybe 10 trading opportunities throughout the week. It could present 100. It just all depends. And then as people are trading that, if you get drawdown or if there's like quick spikes that are made to stop other people out, you just enter on those spikes as it goes into significant drawdown against you. And then you enter those trades in the same position. And then after it comes back down, the the top position and maybe the second and third one you've entered to scale in, those will go into just huge profit and it'll come right past your first entry. And then as soon as it gets past your first entry and then to a little bit more profits, you'll just close your trade. So you know the whole week is just waiting for H4 divergence at a significant daily level and then entering the trades. Okay, and... Right. Okay. So that that's I'm with that. I, I'm understanding exactly what you're saying there. So basically, I'm just trying to think. So it, a couple of questions come to mind. So when price does spike against you and you take that second position, is it a second position or how many more positions are you suggesting somebody takes? And at which point do they go? Oh, that has spiked against me by X amount. I know that I'm now sort of comfortable to take another position. How do you sort of get around around that, or is it really simple? 
Um, it's not it's not simple enough to maybe say in a sentence or two, but I guess just a very brief explanation would be I usually go a maximum of four total positions, so three extra scaled in entries after my first position. And there's no clear way to say it. What How I normally do it is I just wait for another divergence to occur. Sometimes on the H4, you'll see price spike up to a level, and then it'll spike up higher a second time. And that'll be the divergence right there, and it'll start pulling back a little bit. But then sometimes it'll spike up a third and a fourth time. And as long as it just keeps making those spikes against you, just make sure it's kind of spaced out um, from your first entry, your second entry, third entry. Don't enter a bunch of positions at the same price, but make sure they're all scaled out Um and there's no clear way to just kind of say, I mean, you just have to let price spike against you. And if it does that, um, then you scale into it on new divergences, if that makes sense. Mm. And this is bearing in mind that, you know, the the ultimate, not goal, or I suppose it is a goal. It's one of two goals. One goal is to either blow the account. The other goal is to, well, outcome. It's not a goal. It's an outcome. So one outcome is blowing the account. The other outcome is, is making a significant amount of um, return on that account. So I suppose with that in mind, you know, when people sort of go back to going, oh, but hang on a sec, um, you know, isn't this martingale or isn't this uh, risky? I think the answer is yes, right? It, it's risky, but that's the whole point of the account. It's a risk, high-risk account that you you are intending to have one of two outcomes. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, you know, Cam, most of the people I teach, you know, they don't have, like, they're not sitting here with me with, like, 50K to invest or trade. You know, these people are starting out with a couple thousand. And so having a 10, 15, 20% return, for me, that's reasonable. And, you know, a lot of people can do that if you just have a good system with controlled risk, and it's very simple. But the thing is, is so many people, I mean, they're they're not going to be making any significant amounts of money trading 1K, 2K, 3,000 US dollars you know, here in the U.S., they're just not going to be making that significant returns. I mean, if you have a $1,000 account and you trade it on my price action system, you know for a fact you're not going to lose all that money. You know for a fact, okay, I'm not, I'm not ever going to have a huge loss. And that's great. That's the idea of trading. You try not to lose money, and you're trying to keep what you make. However, even if you have a crazy good month, which I would consider 20%, that's crazy. 20% growth on your funds. If you do that for a couple of months, you've doubled the account, and you've done it with low risk. And But even if someone does 20% a month on a $1,000 account balance, you're only making $200. That's just not so significant. I mean, you would have to have you know, 10K, 20K, 30K to start showing any real amounts of returns or make, you know, 5 to 10K a month trading. But with people who don't have that much money, this system works very well because even if they have $2,000 to invest, they're willing to kiss away $500, put it into a divergence account. They can do that. And as they make their good returns, they can start building up their bigger account and then trade that money with controlled risk. It's all about the risk parameters. You have to make sure that you're okay with losing that small amount of money. So that's how I, that's how I suggest Okay, and so all right, so there, so let's let's take this sort of, I suppose, the opposite of you know, trade goes in your direction. So you get an entry, it goes in your direction. You 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 take one one position in that trade. What's what are you looking for in terms of an exit? How do you get out of that trade and and know that like you know I'm I'm willing to get out of it, given the fact I suppose given the fact that you haven't got a risk to reward. So you haven't got a, a set stop loss. So therefore, how do you work out what you know three R is or, or five R or you know one to three uh, risk to reward that sort of thing? Yeah, exactly. So the trading system is it's too volatile. It's too uh, it's it's too um, there's not any simple way to just say hey we should close right here because this is what should happen and this is that. 
Forex is too wild and volatile to do that, especially when you're using a system with small lot sizes and no stop loss, like the divergent system that I teach. So that being said, all I do is I just draw my daily levels up, and I will just look to exit a trade at another significant daily level on divergence and on my price action account. Significant daily levels work so well because everyone is looking at those most obvious levels. So while some people are getting tied up on the H1 and maybe the 30-minute, 15-minute chart, the people who are sitting around being patient to put a lot of money on trades in the market, which I would consider a lot of the big financial institutions that are doing that. They're just waiting. Where can I put my money in where it's the safest? They're looking at monthly, weekly, daily levels. So those are typically good places to take profits at. And that's how I teach you to take your profits with divergence. If your first entry goes right into profit. However, if I get drawdown on divergences and it's significant to where I've scaled in three more positions for a total of four positions, I'll typically look to close all my trades right when it goes past the first entry. Okay, okay, that makes sense. And and so just thinking about it, so price spikes against you, how do you how do you monitor that so that you know that okay, well now I should take another entry? Uh, how do you monitor that? Is it like um, uh, I suppose especially if you're if you're sleeping, is is that does that ever sort of affect you in terms of do you need to have an alert line set on TradingView or an indicator that gives you an alert that sort of wakes you up and goes okay this it's at this level now you need to you need to wake up and make a uh, another trade or or do you just set pending orders and let them trigger so yeah so I'll answer that in two ways so the first one the first uh, sort of component to that answer is you don't have to sit around on your phone and watch it all day I mean taking trades off daily in H4 whether it's my price action system or divergent system the cool thing about it is that it requires very little time investment you can literally just look at your phone or computer once, maybe twice per day, and then you know, you're perfectly fine with that. So you don't have to monitor it. Let's say you check your divergence trades once per day, and then you notice that some of the divergence trades have gone into drawdown. If it's substantial enough drawdown away from your first entry, which is all discretionary, then you'll just enter in another position. And if you wake up the next day and you check it 24 hours, hours away, it's either going to be in big profits or it's going to be in even more drawdown, at which time you can scale another position. How I do pending orders, which is the second component of my answer to your question, is if I'm drawing up a level and price is interacting very clearly on a daily level, but in the past, let's say it's a resistance and it's a clear resistance level, but in the past, price has made like a huge, crazy, you know, 50 pip spike out of that level and made an extreme high where you look at your chart and whenever you look left, that extreme high just sticks out like crazy. Um, what I will do is I'll just, I'll mark that, you know, on my chart as, an, as a resistance level because price tends to react very significantly at extreme highs and lows. And so what I'll do is if I do get another spike, you know, the probability of it going from the first resistance level, it's pretty high. It's anywhere from 50 to 75%. But the probability of it reversing whenever it gets to that extreme high, it's even higher. I don't know an exact percentage. I just know the market really does react very hard at extreme highs and lows. So sometimes if I see another very obvious level, the simple answer to that question is, yes, I'll set a pending order, like a sell limit or a buy limit at a very clear significant support resistance level so that if price makes a move down in there, sometimes it'll be a spike so quick you don't even have time to enter it if you're not watching your phone throughout the day. So to control that and keep things very simple, yeah, I'll just set a pending order at one of those levels. So that's how I do it. Okay, cool. And and what about weekly? Do you uh, do you ever look at the weekly chart? Is that something, or even the monthly chart? Is that something you would consider as part of this? Absolutely, absolutely. Monthly, not so much, but weekly for significant levels. It can take someone who is very new to forex to be able to look at a weekly chart and identify the very clear levels. 
because I mean uh, the weekly chart man everyone is just looking at the weekly chart to take those long-term trades the price comes to a very clear weekly support level and it's bounced there in the past like three times before and had huge you know thousand pip run-ups from each level I mean you better bet really hard um, before you look to sell at that level or, or try to take a break and retest because price, I mean, it's just very clear in the past price has just been bouncing there. So yes, I will look at weekly levels and they work very well. And I'm actually in a few trades right now. Right now, CAD CHF is one of them. I'm in a sell right now and I've been in that trade for two weeks. Price just simply came up to the top of a resistance zone. It's a weekly resistance zone on CAD CHF. On the daily, it showed me one rejection pin bar. So just a, a, like a bearish pin bar candle. I just entered the trade. I entered a sell with a stop just above the high of that candle and a target all the way at the low of the weekly zone. It was a one to four risk reward trade, 75% of the way to the profit target now and the stop losses in profit. So yeah, weekly levels are good. And that, actually, that, that reminds me, because uh, I've just gone out to everyone and said, hey guys, can you tell me, can you give me your questions? I've, I want questions. Send me your questions so that I can um, get, get, a, get them answered for you. And one of the example questions I came up with was, uh, just to get people thinking, was where, when do you, when's the best time to move your stop into profit? So, I mean, you mentioned there moving your stop into profit. I mean, what, what, how, do you, you, how do you do that with this particular type of strategy? Very simple on my price action trades, since you do have predefined stop losses and targets, once it moves 50% or more of the way into profit, I consider a winning trade. That's a trade I don't want to take a loss on. I'll move my stop loss to a couple pips of profit just to cover the commissions and the swap fees for my broker once it's 50% or more of the way into profit. For divergence, it's different because things are discretionary, things go into drawdown or whatever. But yeah, for my price action, 50% or more of the way into profit, I'll move my stop to break even. Okay, cool. Um, right, so let's go back to uh, our example. So, so they've they've gone in there. They've got some, some trades running on this divergent strategy. Uh, they make uh, at what point? Yeah. So, let's say that somebody started off with with uh, they had two thousand that they could risk. Um, they started off with two thousand they could risk. They, I suppose, yeah. At what point do they then start transferring funds from this ten percent account to the the ninety percent account? Yes. So how I teach it in my program is I teach once you've doubled the account, withdraw your initial balance, so which is essentially you know half of that, the money you started with, withdraw that into your big account, and the rest of the money is on the house. You can trade that money, and of course you can kiss it goodbye as well, and you trade that money, and then anything past that, it's pure profits, and even if you lose it all, it hasn't even touched your initial balance. So yeah, once you double the account, I'd say withdraw what you deposited, and then the rest of the money, you can just trade that. Okay, and is that a sort of continual cycle, or do they ever increase that ten percent sort of account balance uh, so that it remains at ten percent? So I suppose if you take that, you know, say you double a thousand, you get a uh, thousand, you put that into your ten thousand dollar account, you've got eleven thousand now. Do you leave a hundred dollars back to mean you can increase risk on the trades, or would you just? What, I mean, it's just discretionary at that point. They can they can manage it however they want yeah that's correct it is discretionary at that point because so many people have you know different ways of doing it i just say as long as you've gotten your initial account balance back the rest of that money yes it's profits but it's also it's money that's on the house per se it's money that you've already made in the market so you're not touching your initial investment or your initial trading funds and so with that yeah if you want to trade big lot sizes or if you want to take bigger risks or you want to do it proportionate to your should you say master account size you know 90 percent of your funds 
I mean, but that's the thing. You can grow these accounts from 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000, or you can like pull a Momo and in two and a half months grow it from 1K to 14K. And of course, you're going to be assessing more risk once the accounts gets bigger. But as long as you're continually pulling money out into your live, into your, you know, your bigger account balance, then you'll be fine. But yes, yeah, so simple answer is it's discretionary at that point. It's whatever the investor or trader wants to do. And okay, so let, let's move on to the, the, the master account. So the price action strategy that you're using there, what's the, what's the difference between that and the, uh, the high risk account? So the high risk account is strictly divergence trades based on H4 at daily levels. The master account or like, you know, where 90% of my funds is, I look at nothing else, no divergence, nothing, no indicators. Nothing. I, the only thing I have on that price action account is I go to the weekly and daily and I just draw the most stupidly clear, obvious, significant support resistance levels. After I do that, it's usually only like a few. It's usually like three or four and maybe even less. Some of them I have like on GBP USD right now, I have two. And I just took a buy on EU and GU and they both went into profit. So I just draw very significant obvious levels on that account, you know, on the daily or weekly. And after that, all I do is I just wait for price to come to one of those levels. And then once it gets there, you know, I say, okay, cool. And then I'll go down to the daily and H4. And I, if I start seeing a few bullish pin bars at a clear daily or weekly support level, then crazy as it sounds, I'll just enter a buy, put my stop loss just below that level and just below the wicks, and a target significantly higher, just like I said, at least a one to three, but oftentimes you can get a lot more like a one to four, one to five, one to six risk reward. And the cool thing is, is sometimes it'll just go right into profit, it'll go halfway there, you can move your stop to break even, it'll be a great trade. And the other half of the time, it'll spike way down, it'll stop you out, and if that happens, as long as it jumps right back up into the support and it's still closing on a bunch of bullish pin bars, there's no specific candlestick pattern I look for. I just look to see, is price pausing and bouncing at this level? And if it is, even if I get stopped out one, one time, um, then I'll just enter that trade again at that level. But it has to be controlled risk, has to be very tiny risk, and the potential for gain has to be significantly higher. So yeah, that's how I do that. So on my price action account, it's literally just price action at significant levels. After you learn it and practice it for a few weeks, you should be able to analyze a chart within 15 seconds or less. That's how simple it is. And you can check once a day. And and that's much more sort of, uh, uh, I mean, sorry, that's slower growth than the, the other one, obviously, because it's of simply how you do it. I mean, what's the um, what, what's the typical win rate that you're getting with that account? Probably about 50%. Probably 50%, but you got to understand the win rate is very irrelevant in terms of risk control because as long as you have a good risk-to-reward ratio, um, you can win less than half of your trades and still come out profitable, man. I had a week back in February where I lost, I think it was like, it was something stupid. It was like I lost 11 trades um, all in a row, and then I only won three trades throughout the week, and the week still came out to be a 6% winner on the week. It was crazy. It was, but see, that's what a good risk to reward gets you. So for me on that price action, I'd say I maybe win about 50% of trades, but it's always like it's every week is almost always profitable. I had my first down week last week. I lost about 2,600. But before that, for the past six weeks, I made just over 12K and they've been profitable weeks just back to back to back for six weeks until that losing week last week. And then this week I came back, risk reward got me again. So while I lost 2,300 last week, this week I did 5,700 on just my price action account, which is just insane. It's wild. So that's how I do it. And so, so uh, eleven, so eleven losing trades in a row. Like, how does how does somebody else who's not you uh, <laughs> manage that sort of emotional side of things? I mean, what have you got any tricks that they can or techniques that you've learned now that you've sort of 
change tech, change strategy to to get to the point where like you know something like that will not affect you um, that somebody else out there might be able to learn from? Yes. So there's two things that I, I say this over and over again, and I say it because it works, but if you do these two things, then you're very unlikely to have negative outcomes. And let me, let me touch on them both. So the first thing is keep things simple. And the second thing is control risk. Now, what is the first thing accomplished? What do you accomplish by keeping things simple? Whenever you keep things simple, you're less likely to get confused. Therefore, you're less likely to make inappropriate decisions and also decisions that may result in negative outcomes because you're basing your initial decision on something that was confusing or all over the place. But you can avoid all of that by just keeping things simple. So that's the first thing. The second thing is risk control. I've never met a person that's going to get mad at losing a 1% trade if they know on all the other trades they're taking, they can make 5% off those trades. So having a good risk reward, it means that you know you have an edge underneath your belt and that you know that no matter what, if you keep doing what you're doing, you can lose five trades in a row. And as long as you win only one, you can win back all the money you lost in that one trade, You know, assuming you have like a one to five risk reward ratio or something like that. Then that risk reward, controlling risk, keeps your emotions in check because you'll never take a loss that you're not comfortable with. And everything is calculated prior to entering the trade. And once you do that, you know it's very easy to look at a chart and say, hey, I'm going to do my entry here, stop here, and target here. But once you're inside the trade, people tend to get emotional. If you've already done the work beforehand, like on that price action account with stops and targets, you've already done the work. You're in a state of mind where everything makes sense and everything is clear and simple. Once you do that analysis, just keep the analysis. If it goes halfway in a profit, move your stop break even. If it gets stopped out, oh, well, move on to the next one. You can lose three trades in a row like at the bare minimum of my system with that one, and you only need one to make all that money back. And it's very rare that you're not going to come out profitable over the course of a few weeks, few months following a system like that because you technically have to win if you have a good risk-reward. You have to come out with a little bit of profit at least. And and just on that, so I mean, it's good, great advice. The 11 trades, how in what time period did they all happen? Was that over a so week? So it happened, or? it was in a weekly period. Yeah, it was in a weekly period. And it wasn't, I'm, I'm sorry, it wasn't in a row, but that was just for that week. Yeah. I had a total of 11 losing trades. I think a couple of them were like break even. So I didn't really, they weren't really a, a complete one, 2% loss. Uh, and a couple of them were small winners. And I had a couple of them just big, huge winners. But so I had, you know, a lot of losses, uh, mostly around the two to $300 range. But I had one trade on New Zealand dollar USD that worked out for a monster. Like, I think it was like a 6% winner on that alone, but it went $1,200 into profit. And that one was great. And then I had a couple other ones or just two other ones aside from that. I think one of them I made 600, one of them I made 800. And then on top of that, I had like 11 small, stupid losers, like break even here. You know, minus 50 bucks, plus 50 bucks here, maybe minus 100, minus 200 here. And then so a bunch of little string of losers. But if the losers are small, as long as you know you've kept things simple and you've controlled risk well, it's not going to make you emotional because you know you have an edge and you know that no matter what, you will consistently come out on top in the grand scheme of things. So I guess keeping that in mind will keep people from getting too emotional. And I suppose the other good thing is if you've got a winner running, and you've got a bunch of small losers happening at the same time. It's actually not that bad because you sort of can see that, oh, look, you know, yeah, I've, I've lost three trades, but I've got one winner that's engulfed those three trades anyway, and, and that's still running. It looks like it's going to hit profit. And so you're not actually emotionally connected to the losers at, at all for that for that one reason. That's what I've noticed anyway personally is when I've got a big winner that's just running um, – 
and I'm getting like all these sort of little losers that that are creeping in there. It's actually it doesn't affect me at all. I mean, it shouldn't affect me at all anyway if I if I lose a trade, but um, it's, <laughs> it affects me less because I'm sort of like okay, well, I've got something that's ten times more than any of the the losses that that are that are occurring below that. Um, so if you know what I mean, yeah, does that is that does that make any yeah. difference to you? Yeah, I mean, of course, man. Everyone loves to see winners. And when you know your winners are always going to be bigger than your losers, it's a very comforting feeling to know that you're not going to have to wake up one morning and check your phone or your computer and see a huge losses, bunch of reds. Because, you know, if you do take a loss, it's going to be a small, stupid. The most thing it should be that affects you emotionally is just maybe a little bit annoying. But it should not ruin your day, shouldn't get you upset, shouldn't get you frustrated because it has to be that small. And you have to be comfortable with those losers. And uh, what was I going to say? There was another question I had here. Um, 11 losers. Oh, damn it. I've forgotten it. I've forgotten the question. But it was, <laughs> okay, it was a good one. It was a good one. If I remember, I'll, I'll definitely add it in here somewhere. Um, all right, look, Nick, um, I think, I think Lee, we've got a great sort of view on what, you, what you're doing, how you've changed things, uh, which is quite different from what I've heard on any other shows in terms of the, 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 the double account approach. I've heard that offline from other people where it's very much, uh, you know, they, they go in with the mindset of like, you know, you will blow an account trading this way. It's guaranteed. But I know that, it, you know, if you, if you carry on, um, if you carry on with, ah, oh, that was the question. If you carry on with this, then, um, then you will, basically win more than you lose so you'll you know be able to double triple etc accounts uh, so you'll win more than you lose so the question i had before i forget it again was uh what if what about missing trades i mean if how do you how do you make sure you don't miss trades so with say for example you got the 11 losers you got you know one winner or two or three winners in there uh how do you make sure that you don't miss the the winning trades that you would have had otherwise I don't know. You can't really predict it. You know, in the Forex market, um, you don't know whether or not it's going to be a winning trade. And even if you are in a trade and it is a winner or it's a potential trade that you were thinking about taking, it turns out that it you know, was a winner had you taken the trade. Forex is way too wild, way too volatile, way too crazy to try to pinpoint the exact reasons and exact times and trying to be aware at that moment and looking at price action and checking your phone. Forex is too wild. So all I keep in mind is that I know for a fact I have a system with an edge. I have a system that I can control risk very well in. And then, you know, 10 to 20% of those funds, I'm willing to put it into an account that's willing to just boom. And if I lose it all, it's all good. I'll start start again, come back another day, and then, uh, and then make more money. But as long as you have that system in place, you know that no matter what, even if you've got, you know, winners that you could have missed out on, it's not going to bother you too much mentally because, you know, you're already still making profits. You're still profitable month to month. And in the big grand scheme of things, that, that's a very comforting thing to know. So that's how I control that. Another couple of questions before we wrap up. So uh, what about things like gold and uh, indices? Do you trade any of those with this? I trade gold. Me and Momo really like trading gold because when gold comes to a significant level, if it's divergent, it just it works out very, very, very often. And I actually took an H4 divergence on gold. Um, this week I called it out. I call it, I think I called it out on Sunday night or Monday, and then it went into huge profits yesterday. I ended up closing half the position, and then as it went into even more profit, it just rocketed upwards all the way to twelve ninety. That was a great trade. I made thirteen hundred dollars just on that one that week alone between those two 
positions. So gold, yeah, I love gold. I don't really trade too many other things. I know Momo does trade oil. Momo trades Brent crude and WTI oil. I think Surin trades all of that as well. Um, and I have plenty of other clients who do that. I think what I have maybe 100 clients in the current Mission FX group as it is right now. So everybody trades their different things. But me personally, I don't trade other indices. I don't trade US 30 or any of those, you know, the Dow or S&P. Um, but I do trade gold. I like gold a lot. Yeah. Okay, and last question of the show before we uh, wrap up here. So do you ever get, uh, I suppose, when you're setting like the likes of pending orders or, or those sorts of things, are there any times when you sort of, those orders just don't get triggered because your entries are at significant levels and, and other people are at those levels and you sort of miss out because your penny order's like, you know, one pip too high or low and price just retraces? And how do you, if so, how do you overcome that? Uh, well, if that happens, which that happens regularly, I can expect it to happen. And if you're a trader and you set pending orders and you're trying to get your perfect entry and perfect stop loss and everything, the market's just too wild. You can never predict it. So if that happens, uh, my advice is to just understand the day will come where you get another trade. It's going to be an awesome trade. It's going to be a profitable trade. And you're going to have other small losers and this and that. But understand, like I said, going back to the big picture of things, if you miss out on a trade, it's okay. It's not, it's not. It's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. It may kind of suck for the moment, and I totally get it. It's annoying. It's kind of even frustrating to like miss out a trade that could have given you just huge profits, and you think, man, that could have been my big winner. I could have been up you know, 10 15% this month because of that trade, but I missed out, so instead I'm only up you know, 5 6%. So I totally get it, but it, going back to it, keep the big picture in mind. That's my advice for handling those whenever you miss out on a trade that could have been really profitable. Keep the big picture in mind and continue doing what you're doing because you know you have a proven system with an edge. Keep things simple and control risk, and you will ultimately be profitable. Great advice there, Nick. Thank you very much. Now, look, we're going to jump on to uh, a, a little video and uh, screen sharing session. So we're going to see Nick's chart and chuck that up on the YouTube channel here at Trading Nut so you guys can actually sort of see some more of this uh, this approach that Nick's just talked us through here. So please do. There should be uh, – you'll be able to find links in the uh, description and, and whatnot. So do click around there to uh, to get access to it or just jump onto the website and you should be able to access it there. Now, Nick, um, so to, to wrap up, I think we've got some more stuff uh, coming up with you. So maybe I'll, I'll fill the guys in after the show on what that is. But um, in the short term, what, what what's the best way for guys to get hold of you? Oh, you can find me wherever you can find me on. I have uh, Instagram, WhatsApp, social media. I have all this stuff. But I guess the best way would be to go to my website, scroll all the way to the very bottom of the website. And then at that bottom of the website, there's a couple contact options. I have my WhatsApp number on there. I've got my Instagram, Facebook handle, all sorts of stuff. So go to my website. I'm sure, Cam, you'll link it here here in this uh, this podcast. And then on my website, scroll to the bottom. You can find a bunch of contact options. But it should be pretty easy to find. Brilliant. Okay. Well, look, thank you very much again for coming back on the show, Nick. I think it's been a fantastic episode. Uh, we've had a lot of detail. And this is a, a lot more detail than what we normally get on, on one of my episodes. So really grateful for that. So thank you very much for, for coming back on. No problem. It was a ton of fun. All right, guys and girls, hope you enjoyed that interview with Nick. Now, do remember... We've done a little screen sharing video where he actually goes into a lot of the detail around uh, what he's talked about in the show today. So head over there to the YouTube channel, the Trading Night YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe because there's more videos like this coming up or just head over to the show notes and the video will be up there in the show notes. 
And what else have we got here? So if you want more from Nick, if you want to learn more, then look, you can obviously go and check out his stuff. But there is a deal happening here at the moment with Trading Art. So if you sign up to the Robot Builders Club, and this is not the Robot Traders Club, this is the Robot Builders Club, you get access to uh, some of some extra, extra high-level stuff from Nick that you're going to Basically, it's going to take this, what he's talked about today, it's going to take it to the next level for you. Okay, so that's a little bonus happening at the moment on for the Robot Builders Club. So if you're looking to build your own trading robots, automate some of what you do, then that's the course that you want to take. 21 days is all it takes to go from woe to go, and you're in, and you better find that on the Trading Nut website. Now, what, are, what have we got coming up? Well, look, we've got this mysterious $2.5 million uh account trader coming up on the show i'm looking for questions from you guys uh he's on instagram i assume it's a he Uh, he's on instagram very secretive but he's coming up on the show so i'm looking for questions some of you guys have sent them in so thank you very much for that if you've got questions you want me to ask this guy if you want to go and check him out uh then head over to Instagram, uh, sorry, head over to tradingnut.com and you'll see at the very bottom of the website there's a little teaser link where you can go and check out his Instagram. And trust me, these are sort of next level trades, sniper focused, laser focused entries with very little drawdown and massive stacking as well. So, you know, this is this is this is amazing stuff to be able to see this in real time and then have an interview coming up where I can ask this guy questions and I want your questions to be in that show as well. So guys, please do take the time to fill out the uh, or to, to flick me a question if you get a chance. And uh, and last but not least, yeah, the Robot Traders Club still carries on, keeps ticking on. We had a great strategy submitted this week by uh, a guy called Ian, and uh, and that was using some moving averages and, and price action around those moving averages. That's been built. It's up in the lab. We're testing that now. So if you guys want to get on board with that, then head over to tradingnut.com, and you're going to find links on the site for that as well. Now, without further ado, I know I've given you a lot of stuff to do. As I said at the start of the show, I recommend picking one, focusing on it, and betting down. That's it. You've got to be selfish in this respect. Focus on something, guys. Just whatever you're doing today, if you've got too much stuff on, what are you going to reduce down so that you can focus on one thing in particular around your trading and maybe make that focus for the week? Okay, guys. Until next time, I'll catch you in the markets. All right, we've got Trading Up Q&A here with Andre Stewart from Chart Artist Trading. So... Andre, the question for today is, do support and resistance levels really matter or are they relevant in Forex? Thank you from Alexander in the USA. No, I don't use them. Um, It's because I think they're trash. And the reason why I think they're trash is because, well, two things. I can't name a single one trader that trades support and resistance that's profitable. Even that's been on your podcast. I can't name one that says I've been... I probably shouldn't have said that, but uh, <laughs> um, damn, um, who uses a line at a at a very discretionary price, or just because they see hit here, hit here, hit here, hit here, that's you know trading full time. So it doesn't matter, especially with forex, because forex is a speculator's market. So I think if you dial in to to I'm going to give away too much here, but it doesn't matter. But you have to look at a day, look at a higher time frame chart day, daily and above. It's so one thing happens every single day, every single week, every single month, and even every single year. And it's your job to figure it out. 
once you figure it out, and it has nothing to do with volume or anything like that. But once you figure it out, you'll realize that it's arbitrary. And again, I don't know any institutional trader that uses support and resistance um, because again, they don't, they're not aware of it. But again, I think support and resistance and even supply and demand is all, it's, it's not relative to trading environments. So I'd say look beyond it because everyone who uses it isn't trading full time. Thanks, Audrey. Great answer to the question. Uh, and thank you, Alexander, for asking it. Guys, if you have got questions in the future, please head over to tradingnut.com and you'll find a link on the sidebar where you can post your questions and they'll get answered in a future episode. All right.